stick around because we're just getting started. That's the mystical, magical, rhythmical, radical ride. It's going to take us on wild rides and we're going to think this is it and can't go on. And then the ride's going to say, hey, why don't you stay in your seat? Because we're going to go for another lap. And you're going to see things differently the next time we go around. I call it full spiral. We don't go full circle. We're going to go around again, but you're going to have a different perspective the second time you go for the next lap. We're not finished yet. All of that craziness you've just been through is for a good reason. And I'm excited to find out what that is. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. This show is meant to be a guide for you. We're going to talk not only about how we can start to become aware of what are the subconscious things that are holding us back and how we can instead choose thoughts that are actually going to propel us forward. But in addition to changing the landscape internally, we are going to talk about the strategies that actually will help you to build a profitable business, getting paid to be you. Because when you have a business where you do what you love, you never really have to have that sense of work because it's a pleasure, because it's joy. And really, I want you to have the most abundant life. I want you to have the kind of life that you love waking up to every day that you don't feel like you need a vacation from. So together on the show, every single episode, I want to be your friend. I want to be your mentor. I want to show you what is it that I think has really been insightful, been helpful? What are the tools and strategies? What are the mindset shifts that have helped me? And what are the things that have helped my guests to get to where they are? How can we together sort of cross this river to the most fulfilling life where we show up and we feel like we are living into our potential and having the most gorgeous, beautiful experience? Because after all, that is what we all desire. We're all craving to have the most joyful, beautiful life and I really believe that we can design that and that we can experience a life that we just absolutely love. And not only will we enjoy it, but it will be a possibility for other people. It will show other people what's there for them. And then maybe together, each one of us, by being the happiest versions of ourselves and being the most fulfilled versions of ourselves, we will help other people to reach for that higher branch and to find that in their own life. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so thrilled because Jason Mraz is back here today. He has a new record coming out tomorrow and tomorrow is also his birthday. So happy birthday, Jason Mraz. Thank you for being born. Thank you for bringing so much light to the world. This record is so much an extension of all of his magic, his grace, his confetti-like energy. And I'm so excited that we got to have this conversation. Before we dive in, I want to tell you one quick thing. And also, yes, I have a cold. So if you hear my voice and you're like, why does Kathy sound like Kathleen Turner right now? That is why. Um, but I feel great in terms of my emotional health and my spiritual health. I just definitely have a cold. In any case, I want to tell you some exciting news, which is that we created a meditation membership that's right. So many of you have said, I want your meditations. I'd love to meditate with you on an ongoing basis. So we created a membership that's just $10 a month, which will give you four new meditations a month, plus some perks just for our members. And this way you can have me there with you as a guide into infinite possibility. If you want to check that out, you can go to kathyheller.com slash membership. We are so excited that we just put it out yesterday on my Instagram and already so many people have scooped it up and have told me that these meditations are seriously changing their life, which is amazing. And I have to thank my team because 
I used to teach meditation 10 years ago, and that was always something that I was out there with. And then I wasn't really making it a big part of the podcast, even though it was a big part of my personal life. And my integrator, Colleen, said, why don't you start leading meditations for the audience and in your programs? And I'm so glad that she encouraged me because I really do love sharing these guided meditations and I hope you will enjoy them. So you can go to kathyheller.com slash membership. It is $10 a month for you to get your hands on this and you can cancel that membership at any time. So today... We have such a treat. As I said before, the extraordinary Jason Mraz is back. He is here today to talk about his new record, which comes out tomorrow, which is called Mystical, Magical, Rhythmical, Radical Ride. This album is literally a roller coaster through the joy and fun and optimism of the unpredictable journey of life. You probably know Jason because he's a multi-Grammy award-winning singer-songwriter and he's a philanthropist. You probably know his hit songs like I'm Yours, Lucky, I Won't Give Up, and his amazing albums like Waiting for My Rocket to Come, We Sing, We Dance, We Steal Things, Look for the Good, and now he's got this new record. We're going to talk today about his journey and what is behind these beautiful songs and how we can be a student in this game of life and how he's going to open up about the things that drove him to the themes that you hear in this music. Jason is one of the most gifted, delightful, and sweet souls. It was such an honor to have him back on the show. And he was so generous. He actually invited me to a private showcase in LA a few weeks ago, and I got to be with him in person. It was such a gift. If you're not already a fan, I know that you're going to love this. So without further ado, please welcome the phenomenal Jason Mraz. Jason Mraz, I'm so happy that you are here because you're like a love bomb. I feel like that's what you do. You just like put love in the world at like maximum capacity. Wow. That is quite a compliment. Thank you very much. Thanks for doing that and being that more, more to the point. You are so prolific. You have created another record that is coming out so soon. And it's really so fabulous. I've gotten to hear a little bit of it and I love the name of it. I feel like it's so aligned with you. Let's talk about it and okay. and why these songs came out now. Okay. I guess <laughs> it started before the pandemic. It was purposefully and intentionally created with four of my colleagues that they'd go by raining Jane, Mona, Becky, Chaska, and my, they're a fantastic band on their own. They do a lot of good work in the world. Even if you've never heard of their band, they are a force. So we've been writing songs for 15 years and we knew we wanted to make another album together. We've written many songs that have appeared on my albums and we did an album together in 2014 called Yes. And we wanted to do a follow-up of that where it was really just the five of us and our ideas and our sounds and, so we started before the pandemic. And one of the first songs we wrote in this project was a song called Little Time. And it kind of sums up what the album is about because Mystical, Magical, Rhythmical, Radical Ride, which is the album title. Say that again, 10 times. Mystical, Magical, Rhythmical, Radical Ride. <laughs> uh, that is just a songwriter's way of saying life. And to say life is so short. It's Life should have way more syllables than just life. So Mystical, Magical, Rhythmical, Radical Ride is really a look at life. We're in our mid-40s. We're looking at life, where we've been, what we've accomplished, what we still haven't accomplished, and what hopefully is still in our future. And, you know, the older you get, the more fragile and precious time becomes, the more fragile we become, but also the more wild and youthful we become as we get older as well, which is kind of ironic because we finally let go of things and free ourselves. 
So we wrote a song called Little Time, and it's about the passing of time from day one to hopefully 101. And much of the album, I, well, I don't know, that's kind of a cheat answer. It's like the album exists somewhere between zero and 100. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's where we started. And we toured the best we could through pandemic years. And we would dabble in songs that we have been dreaming of for a decade or songs that we just started writing. And that was the only thing on my mind. Like the only next project I wanted to make was the songs with Raining Jane. And I was determined to do so in schedule requests. I turned it in late, but nobody knows this. Nobody knows in the real yeah, world. We but do. Yeah, we do. Yeah. But it was asked that I turn it in maybe six to eight months to a year earlier than I did. And I said, you know, it's not ready We'd love to take these songs on tour, and we did in the summer of 22. We still need feedback from fans. We still need to breathe life into these songs on stage. And we did that last summer and went into the studio immediately after and recorded to the best of our ability. And it's a bunch of youthful mid-40-somethings doing our first attempt at a dance record. And it feels great. It feels so great. And love the video for Feels Like Dance. I feel like dancing. How much fun was that to make that video? A blast. <laughs> you know, I don't like making videos because I first think of the song. I don't think visually when I write a song. And so then you turn in a song and someone says, hey, let's make a video for this. And then I have to panic for a while because <laughs> I feel like a song without a video is limitless. There's so many possibilities yeah. for the listener to imagine what that song is. And then you make a video for it and it's, you have to make a video in a way that says it's this, but it's not only this. So the first video on any album is always challenging. You know, some albums only got to make one video, but this album we've already made three and I'm, Oh my gosh. I, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> that's a good sign. That means people like the album, but it means that the first video was like just getting warmed up. You know, it's like the first show of the tour. It's not the best show of the tour. It's good, but you're just getting warmed up. You know, give me two or three more shows and then I'll show you what the show's like. And so we've had a chance to make two more videos, Pancakes and Butter and Feels uh. Good too. And they're all very different. Feel Like Dancing, I got to work with amazing choreographer, Megan Lawson, who's worked with Madonna and a whole roster of you're super so talent. You're so cute in that video. Oh, oh thanks. You know, so mm. when I dance... I try to dance different every time I dance because I love that feeling of creating something. So if it's like flapping my arms like a chicken and <laughs> doing some weird twist or something, I try Obviously. to do a combination I've never done before. Like I just like to feel, explore the space. But I, I knew I couldn't do that on the music video. So I hired a <laughs> choreographer to help me like reel it in, control it work on you know Dial it on, day, no on day one here. on day one I came in and I was doing this and that and I was like and I'll do a pirouette on this moment watch I can do a pirouette and she she's like yeah that's really cute but we're not going to do that she just immediately was like we're going to be cool all right you hired me to help you be uh, cool so good it's so <laughs> yeah, good it was fun you know I'm not surprised at all that people are loving this record first of all you're an amazing songwriter you know that but I feel like so many people, what they do well with songwriting is they talk about pain and we all relate to that. And you've done 
songs like that. And they're all amazing. And people talk about breakups, falling in love, getting out of love. You've done that. Those songs are all so amazing. But I feel like something that's very singular to you is your unrelenting optimism and your belief in people and your goodness. Mm. And this record really captures that. Mm. Thanks. Well, I, I try really hard at what I do. <laughs> I'll say thank you. Those were all very flattering compliments to songwriting and ways of being. I'm just a mirror, as we all are. It's all a hologram. Well, it's all a hologram. Yeah. But I don't think you try very hard to be. I think there's something about you. I think your legacy, when you get to 120 years old, will be your residence. I think that Mm. no matter how much stuff you have, you're the same. You have a big pile of stuff or no stuff. Mm -hmm. I think that you just love to love people and you love Mm. to seek the good. And it's the reason you're you. It's the reason people kind of move toward you like a magnet. Mm. It's the reason you'll probably always have this, whatever this is, if you want this, right? Mm -hmm. And this record, I was like, yes, especially now when the darkness is darker, but the lightness is lighter. And you're like, hey, I'm just a pointer. Look over here. Look over here. You see that? There's that. You don't have to look at the gum on your shoe because you could look at that. That's the moonlight. So I want to talk to you about that. Where does that practice, that going back to what's right and true, that North star, is it a spiritual practice? Is it a meditation practice? Is it a home? Your mother read you every night as you went to sleep when you were a child, like what's the Jason Mraz philosophy that anchors you Mm. into this life thing? Well, I don't think I have one specific philosophy because as I grow and unfold and feel different and new year after year, then I I like to explore and find new philosophies that light me up, that feed my songwriting, that feed my, dare I say, teaching through songwriting or sharing through songwriting, you know? That's definitely it, yeah. Um, And I could say, you know, food I eat and yoga and or movement, my phone, I could say that around kind of what I do, but I think really what it is for me is Ever since I was a little kid, I have felt gifted, right? And I can experience that through singing and entertaining. And I felt that ever since I was a little kid. So I was like, wait a minute, I've got people's attention. And I I know how to do this magic trick. I could get it out of my elementary school teachers. I could get it out of staff at school, obviously family, friends in the community. It continued into college. And I could entertain all my dorm and suite mates. They'd come in and I'd make up songs for them. And it was this really interesting, Bruce Springsteen calls it a magic trick. And I have a magic trick that I can do. And so captivating people's time and attention was like a really powerful, powerful tool or powerful gift. And so somewhere on the journey at at first you know maybe when i'm 18 to early 20s it's like look at me check out what i can do <laughs> but that got really tired pretty fast and 
as I started to discover affirmations and positive language and started to weave that into songs, then my magic trick became even more potent. And not just for those who were leaning in and listening, but for me, for the energy that I was broadcasting all around me. And so at the top of this podcast, when you say, I love to love, I love to love and love people, it's because I, I want to love whatever environment that I'm in. And if people come into that environment, you're going to get it. Because <laughs> I think as the opposite, the, what comes along with my gift, this ability to like, wow and entertain and hopefully make you laugh or heal something or presence something, what also comes with it is like enormous sensitivity that if people come into my field, my environment, and they're off and there's a darkness there, I feel it. And in a way, I kind of suffer too. And so then I ramp up. It almost is cause (laughs) to ramp up my magic to help them look at that moonlight, you know? So I honestly don't know where it comes from. I think because I've been able to turn breath into a long note, into sing song, like a mimic even sometimes. When I was a little kid, I was just mimicking things I heard on the radio. Yeah. And as an adult, it's really no different. I mimic things that move me, mimic things I see. And so I'm, like you said, just a mirror in this big hologram. And so when I go do a show, I want people to feel like this is your show. This isn't my show. This is your show. And the optimism is, again, because of that sensitivity, even if I'm alone, There's plenty of things in the world for me to feel some form of suffering about. I mean, it's everywhere now and more heightened than ever. And so first, honestly, I do start with songs for myself. I start usually alone in a room or with my colleagues and we're writing songs for the love of the sound and the love of like each other. And we have to have a real connection to the lyric and even we have to have like a bona fide transformation in the process of writing the song like we have to feel the song have its awakening and go oh my gosh this is it and then we can embody the song and carry it to its ending so that has to happen no matter what if i'm alone or with others and the optimism in my music comes from that song being silent when it starts you know the page being blank You know, the world being so full of muck and how are we going to produce a lotus flower in that muck? How are we going to paint, grow a beautiful garden of words on this landscape, this blank landscape in front of us? And it's a scary process to start with nothing and to eventually arrive at something. And so there's real alchemy, there's real optimism in songwriting in general. And so that's where it really starts. And so when I think of all the muck in the world or anything I'm being sensitive about, I always try to write about whatever's going on, whatever the thing I'm feeling the most. And then knowing that to, first I know that no one may never hear this song. So I write every song as if like, no one's probably ever going to hear this. You know, I have to get very, very lucky. The song has to be really wow before it makes it to the stage or even an album. But I write for, you know, counteracting all the muck in the world. You know, it's like, okay, there's a whole lot of negativity being spewed on television by one person. I need to be the other person in the world who's spewing the opposite. There's a reason we're given our gifts. 
And it might be so that we can just level out that energy that someone else is suffering from. Yeah. Everything you just said is so beautiful. I think the reason you make such good music is because that was all music. Everything you just said mm. was music. It was all so yeah. beautiful. So coming from such clear intentionality and it's so impressive how much of a responsibility you feel because this gift is such a magic trick and how well you've used it. I think it's really confusing sometimes for humans when we have gifts and we don't know how to stay out of our ego. And that can be like really lonely, mostly for the person. You know, I heard yeah. Jim Carrey say, what did he say? He said, I wish everybody could have all the validation and all the fame to find out that like, you don't want that. <laughs> but I think when you're walking in purpose and you're mission driven the way that you are, then it really feels very different. Right. But how have yeah. you, uh, it's kind of a mind trip. How have you stayed true to that? Even though there's this like giant illusion of things like being at the circus and you're an eight-year-old boy and it's like, come this way, you know? And you're just like, mm -hmm. yeah, that looks really colorful, but I can tell it's empty calories. Like there's nothing in that. Like yeah. harder and harder when you're given as many of those kind of opportunities to be with those kinds of people and hang in those kind of environments and have more stuff. That's confusing. Yeah. That's really confusing. And most people don't pass that test. It's like, you're in a mm -hmm. really hard level of the video game, Jason. It's like, yeah. you're on level 8.6. <laughs> and most people hang out at level like two or three. And like, uh -huh. we, we, we try to manage that, but then it's like almost harder because it gets mm. a little bit more nuanced and things yeah. that look like truth or actually lies. So how have you like stayed in the quote unquote celebrity business without defining yourself I yeah, think. thanks. Well, around first album, I only lived in LA for maybe two years. Um, oh, really? I was in San Diego. I started my career down here in um, coffee shops. Mm -hmm. Things were going well. I moved to LA and I started getting deals and started, I made a record and I started touring. And then after I started touring, I realized I didn't need to live in LA. But during that little LA period, I saw all of those whatever Tinseltown has to offer, you know, <laughs> parties and this and that. And, you know, even people at the record label were like, we need to find you someone famous to date, you know, to kind of elevate my <laughs> career. I was like, I'd rather just talk about the music, you know? <laughs> so early, early, early in my career, wow. I started to experience that. And one thing I noticed pretty quickly is that all of that is just, it draws me further away from my gift. Mm -hmm. It's just more stuff to do, more, more stuff. Stuff that's going to take me even longer to get back to my little notebook and my little guitar or my moment to practice my gift or check in with my gift. Because if I don't check in with my gift, it's, well, it's been a long time since I've not checked in with my gift, but it's a scary feeling. I've learned through the years also that things come in waves and I don't make myself wrong when, you know, when I'm not writing something monumental. But yeah, to answer your question, I tried those things that feed my ego and they didn't feed my gift. Wow. Yeah. So I even have like where I live now, I, I have a little ranch and this morning I had to water a whole bunch of trees. <laughs> and uh, and there was a few moments where I was like, okay, kid, like this is, this is too many trees, like one more tree and you won't have time to practice today, you know, or you won't right. make it to your podcast. It's like, 
I even have to make sure that I don't give myself too many extra hobbies or too many extra chores. I mean, let alone, you know, the invitations from Hollywood and all that. But that that stuff doesn't really light me up. That is so clarifying and so beautiful. Talk about having a sanctuary within, right? Mm -hmm. Such an honoring of this, whatever the this is that you were endowed with. Yeah, whatever the this is, yeah. And so no gift lounge can give me anything better than what I've already been given in this life. And I experienced that at a young age. Once I started playing regularly at the coffee shop and I knew every Thursday night people were coming and I'm in, that was it. I had hit the level of success that I wanted to achieve, which was I don't want to have to have a regular job. I just want to play music. And I was able to achieve that at the coffee shop. And I was driven at the coffee shop because every week I had a show. And so I wanted to add new material. I wanted to have new songs, new banter. And that was it. And honestly, everything that's happened since then is just a bonus. Mm. And they could take it all back. It's fine because I can go back to a coffee shop and get the same buzz at a coffee shop as I do at Carnegie Hall. You know, And in fact, it's easier to go to the coffee shop than it is Carnegie Hall. <laughs> <laughs> You've done it all. That's so beautiful. They could take it all back because I could always find my place there. These are all the kinds of things nobody really says. I think because we have a way, human beings have a way of externalizing our adequacy and not having a place where we know how to keep finding our way back to ourselves. And so we externalize our validness. And it's interesting you said, like, I don't make myself wrong if things aren't monumental because it's also subjective, but I can imagine, I mean, Nora Jones was here and um, I said, what was it like for you to win like 1000 Grammys at the age of like, she was like 23. And she's like, it was the worst thing that ever happened to me because Mm. um, I went into the darkest place ever. I couldn't Mm. replicate it. Mm. And then people were writing about that and it was horrible. Like the worst thing that you could ever imagine feeling is what I felt until I finally Mm. let that go. But Mm -hmm. I can only imagine what that feels like. And I can't actually say that I relate, right? But you, you know what that's like. And so for the people who are listening, how do you navigate that when people expect this huge outcome? And yet we know the only way to enjoy anything is to be unattached. And the only way to ever have a hope of doing something good is to not be about the outcome, right? Is to just be purely there. And yet you have these things that happen to you, right? Like you write these big songs that become number one and then everyone talks about them and then they give you give you things to hold like awards and tell you things about yourself. So I can't imagine that that's easy. <laughs> and then you have a business. You have like a thousand people, not a thousand, but like there's probably like 40 people who work on you basically and they want that. They want those things, right? They make sure that you know, probably. And so how do you allow yourself the gift of being present when there's so many people invested in an outcome? Good question. I don't know how to do it. (laughs) I try to just do things one day at a time. I really do. A lot of times the 40 people that work with (laughs) me around me, occasionally, they need direction. You know, where are we going? Where are we going next? 
what are we doing? I need, we need approval on this. We need approval on that. We need that. I need your words on this. I need this. And it's all about things that are in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, I even have a production manager who wants to know my set list weeks in advance. And I'm like, you're not going to get a set list weeks in advance, even though he's constantly asking me, he's like, do you know what we're going to play? Because I like to make my set lists maybe a day in advance, maybe wow. two days in advance, because it's closer to the actual date, right? And that's how I want to act on a lot of decisions. I want to be more in the moment and more in the present moment. And it's hard for me to predict what the present moment is going to be two weeks or two months from now. And that's why it's hard for me visually to make music videos. It's hard to do a lot of things that aren't just the role that I play. So one way that I really get it done is I just empower people to do them (laughs) in this field. You know, it's like, I trust you. That's why you're doing you, you know? (laughs) And we will come together on the day that we need to do the thing. Because if I get too far ahead and I have too many tasks that aren't about today, then I get this weird, almost like I'm out of balance. Like it literally feels almost like vertigo because I feel like I'm being pushed into some other field that I'm not physically in. So yeah, I delegate, I trust, I empower, and we've made it this far. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Seems like it's working. I think at the heart of it, people who listen to this show often share with me how they just don't want to do anything imperfect. They want to predict how people are going to receive whatever they create. So then they stop themselves from creating because they want it to be liked, right? They want everybody Mm -hmm. to stand up and cheer. And I just can't imagine how you can sustain that. And so what do you say to people who have gifts that they haven't even let themselves roll up their sleeves and play with because they're wanting them to be perfect and wanting to know the outcome and not wanting to look foolish or make something messy? Gosh, I'd be so curious to know what they think is perfect that they're already comparing it to. You know, and they're probably comparing it to something that has a hundred people working on it to make it look like a very certain specific thing. The music, or in this case, I say the gift is its own reward. And so if you can spend time, if you can get intimate with your gift, whatever that looks like, that is to me the most special part is getting intimate with your gift. If it's writing and seeing something reflected back on the page. In my case, it is. And one of my colleagues, my Bloomfield, she plays cello. She's a great songwriter. Her advice is always write a shitty song. Just start by writing a shitty song. And so whatever your gift is, just spend time being really crappy at that gift and feel what that's like. Because then, A, you'll get more and more comfortable in the shittiness of it. And then you'll also have more time in it to see how can I improve it? How can I edit this? How can I fix it? Because all that is, is compost. All you're doing is laying down compost that's going to make an even healthier Mm -hmm. foundation for you to continue to build on your gift. So that's why we write the shitty song, because it's compost for a better song. And so many of my greatest songs begin as real pieces of shit. I can't um, believe that you're saying that, but so, yeah. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna trust that it's true. But it's there's true. no way that that's real what you're saying. But then but okay. yes. But then you just let it 
fit and then you look at it and you go, how can I improve that? And then you try again and you can either try again on the exact same idea or you just start a new idea and you try again. But the point is, is you just need to give yourself time with your gift. That to me is the best way to do it. There's no such thing as perfect, but you can set a level of quality that you can aspire to, that you love, and you'll get it to a place that you love. And then it's none of your business what the rest of the world thinks of it. You know, they might not like those flowers. They may not like that kind of music. They may not even have their listening turned on that day. Their eyeballs might be faced at you, but they're thinking of something else. Like that's a mantra that I, that I adopted a long time ago was it's none of my business, what you think of me. And so I'm able to then fall in love with the song. And I know I love the song. I know that I worked really hard and we in my band, we love this song. And if we love it and our joy is going to be on stage, we've done it long enough to know that people will experience our joy through it, you know, but we've only done that through spending enough time with our gift to know when it's great. You know, not that it's perfect because I listen to the album and it's filled with mistakes. It's filled with things that I can improve on, but I get to improve on it every night. Yeah. Beautiful advice. I'll share this. This probably isn't beautiful advice, but this is something I learned (laughs) in high school. (laughs) Seriously, this is something I learned in high school, but I was not a great student. Okay. I didn't get good grades. I was a great student in chorus, in Mm -hmm. drama, in communications, anything that was creative, even, you know, some creative writing, I think English turned into creative writing, luckily for me around 11th grade, thank goodness. But English before that was not great. Government, I was terrible. History, terrible. Civics, terrible. Geography, terrible. I had to take geography over again in my senior year because I failed it in ninth grade. And all that is, is looking at maps. So luckily, my senior year, I got to take geography over and I aced it. I got all A's in geography. I yeah, drew maps. You did. I drew maps of the world and then I got to go all over the world, right? And see the whole world. And I, I knew the capitals because I got to take geography in my senior year. Okay, but this is what I wanted to share. I didn't get good grades in school. I probably graduated high school with a C average, right? But that's passing. And this is what I don't want to share with young people, but a C is a passing grade, okay? there was enough of my gift that got me through and the rest of it was fine. And I got through C is a passing grade. So I look at my art today in a very similar way. I'm like 80% is passing. A C is a passing grade. And I don't expect my album to be a straight A, but I know when it feels above a C average, right? I know that this is good enough. I'm going to get to the next level. And so I was able in high school to like take perfect, take it out. Like I'm never going to get straight A's. That's just who I've been. I've always been kind of a C average kid. And that for some reason has given me permission to just go for it because I know I can get by even if I make a bunch of mistakes, I know I'll still be okay. So it's kind of stupid wisdom, but it's so uh, good. It's so good. I also had a C average and barely graduated from high school. And I often say to people, be a C student. That's something. That oh, I you said. do? Yeah, That's I kind of say that. Gosh. <laughs> yes. I thought, like, I thought it was some secret. <laughs> but when you were sharing the things that you weren't good at, I was laughing to myself because you hang out so much in this like quantum, infinite sweetness that I'm like, 
there's no there there. Like, I don't see you being good at those things like government because it's, it's all resistance. Like there's, there's all Mm. static. Like it's all static to you. You're like, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense, but love makes sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. makes sense to me. And it makes so much sense to me that you wouldn't be good at those things because there's no light. There's no music on. And everything is consciousness everything is energy and so to me the most impressive thing is always gosh it's just the the vibe you know whatever you're serving and you have that that's just you you've always had that that's just what you do that's what you are you just return to it and return to it and return to it again and i wanted to ask you about that because i feel like the most radical thing the most radical thing a person can do is to actually open their heart and I feel like every time you're around, I can just feel it. There's just an open mm. heart. It's like Bob mm. Marley. It's just like the dude has an open heart. Boy, is that mm. a Jedi? Talk about mm. a magic trick, right? Mm. And I wonder what you might say about that, because I think that that's all we really have to do. And it feels like there's a lot of complicated steps, but it's really just that one. So how would you encourage people to even kind of find their way to what it might feel like to open their heart and to know that that might be the strongest, safest place actually is opening your heart? Mm -hmm. Wow. You ask good questions. I just love you, Jason Mraz. Everybody does, but I get to sit here as an ambassador for a piece of the world who's my age, our age, who's like grown up with you and had you as like such a friend Mm. in our pocket. Well, you know, I think because my heart is open, that's why I live such a reclusive life (laughs) because my heart is, like I said, I get really sensitive when people come into my field. And so I've, I've actually built a world around me to try to avoid that from happening because I want to protect my heart, right? Because it's probably always wide open. There's no lock on the door. I've had a lot of therapy for this, <laughs> but you know, for me, it probably began when my parents divorced. I was about four years old, just old enough that I kind of came online and I'm conscious and I'm looking around and trying to understand why adults mm-hmm. are behaving the way they're behaving. And I remember my dad being on the edge of the bed and he was crying and he shared that my mom had left and I still get moved by it today even though I still have my parents they only live about five miles from each other I see them both I talk to them weekly but it did something to me as a little kid or as a human that made me want to help or heal or save love be love it was some version of that. It was like, okay, this world is going to be needing a Cupid, maybe. That was definitely a key lifetime memory. I can see it right now still. You know, the way the light came through the window, all of it, you know, it's just a real memory. And so I can't advise people that go through that experience if they want to have their heart open forever. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that kind of blew the door wide open for me as a little kid. And then in combination with my magic trick, you know, my magic trick also would bring my parents back together. 
they'd come to my little talent shows or they'd watch me perform here and there, you know, and that was very cool, you know, to have that gift, you know, and it's been a lifetime of work. You know, I really don't have a mastery of it. Like I said, I've, I live a solitary kind of reclusive life because I don't want to have to own up why or how my heart is open and constantly give and share it. I now sort of schedule time for that. (laughs) (laughs) I've been very lucky. You know, I think obviously spending time with my gift and songwriting, that's very healing. That is definitely heart work. Even if your gift is not writing, I encourage everyone to journal and write and have a path where they can get their love language out in the world onto the page. Even if no one else ever reads it, you get to see it reflected back. You get to hear your heart scribble onto the page. I think that's a really beautiful thing. I think there's nothing finer than seeing a journal just totally destroyed and messy from yeah. your life experience being yeah. being thrashed about in it. And then I've, I've been so lucky to have great teachers and mentors through the years that have guided me or given me books that have become teachers and friends. I love Michael Singer's books. Uh, um, just thinking about that today. A friend of mine just went to Gainesville to spend like a week with him. And I was just oh, thinking about that today. You know, he's like, if you don't want your heart to close, don't close it. Yeah. It's like that easy, you know, and then you can start to become aware of when it does shut down. You know, you can, the more you spend time practicing, sort of feeling it. And so his books, Surrender Experiment and um, Untethered Soul, just like, just way up there. And, And the list goes on and on. You know, I also had a great manager who would take me on retreats yoga retreats and mindfulness, things like Landmark Forum and EST and teachers from those programs. We would go on workshops and just just learn about life and maybe the way to learn why we might be acting the way we're acting and learn better ways to communicate. And it's just fascinating. So I got really lucky. Honestly, I got lucky that my parents divorced at four. I got lucky that I had a gift. I got lucky that I met the manager that I did and met friends and mentors along the way. And, but all of it is still work. It's still unfolding. I'm not final. I'm still a C student and I don't know what my next thing is. I don't know what the next song is that I'm going to write. And that's exciting to me. That's where the optimism comes from too. It's like, I don't know the future, but I can just lean into it with my heart open. It's scary, but the more you practice it, the more Hanuman you can become and like just really show the world that you've got it. You've got what it takes. Well, that's what's so cool is that, uh, you know, when people are in your energy stream, it's like Wi-Fi, you know, and it connects us to more of our own capacity, right? It's like, that's Mm. what it is. So every time you invest in that journey into that deep, beautiful well of riches, when you're on tour, everybody in the stadium, they get that software update too. You know, that's what's really cool about that. Speaking of this album, I saw it written. You said that because it's like the eighth studio album, this is like the Mm -hmm. infinity sign to you, which kind of also Uh makes sense because of the, I mean, eight is infinity and mystical, magical. How does that land for you that it does happen to be the eighth one? And why are you sort of even noticing that? What is it about this record that makes you feel like infinity? Well, it it really started with the eight. I knew it was the eighth album going in and I love any prompt that I can get to help me get started or to any Pinterest 
page I can build that keeps me coming back to what this project might be or any guide, talisman. So there was the eight. I've always known that it's also the infinity symbol. And so with that, the most obvious and sort of physical result of that is we really tried to make the album feel like it could just go on and on and on. And it's a reminder that we're not final and that we never will be in this life and beyond inside of the 40 minutes that this album is and beyond. So we made a conscious effort to really create a loop experience. The album ends with the same lyric it begins with and Mm -hmm. the same kind of bell tone that the album starts with, it ends with. And so that way you can kind of go for the ride over and over again. I love that. One of the things that I feel like relates so much to this audience, the song Getting Started, which is on the record. I feel like people think on some level when they're in their 40s, like there's no more getting started, like that's Mm -hmm. over. And then Mm -hmm. I feel like I was taking a hike today and I'm making a decision about some things and I realized, oh my gosh, the reason it's hard for me to make this decision is because my avatar has completely changed itself and I'm getting started on a totally new vision. So I can't make a decision from the old me because I'm actually a completely new it's brand new now like it's a whole new getting started and I just wanted you to talk about that a little bit in that song and what that means to you because I feel like at this point in life it's like no no dust off the shoes like there's a lot to get started with and I feel like people think that that's kind of passed them by so tell us about that song and how that might give us a little bit of uh, momentum Mm, I love that I love the way you described it yeah the song getting started most songs kind of start, you know, they start in a with a blank page. In a way, they start in doubt. They start in kind of a nothing. Mm-hmm. And there has to be a certain amount of you that believes in something to make it become something. And to be eight albums in, to be mid-40s, to be chasing dance music, <laughs> there's every now and then it's really easy to say, this is ridiculous. You know, who am I? How can I do this? Blah, blah, blah. So there's a good amount of doubt that comes in with it. So the work in writing this song was overcoming those doubts and and understanding like there's still so much that I've yet to experience that I know I can because I've done this before. I've done it again and again and again. I know I can do it again and I know I can do it anew. It was mostly for me, the age thing. You know, I'll I'll tell you this, and it's something I I don't usually talk about, um, but my marriage didn't survive from the dream that it once was. And that was probably tied up in going all the way back to my parents' divorce. You know, I spent my whole life chasing what my parents didn't have. You know, I'm going to have it. You watch me. I'm going to get it. And so I went about that with maybe misguided intentions or something. So when I got into the marriage, it was like, it felt like a trophy, but it didn't feel like it was fully realized, the partnership. And had a lot of regrets, had a lot of embarrassment, Um, you know, had to, I still feel like I'm asking forgiveness for the error that I made in judgment, right? And looking back at 
my partnership, it's like, oh, this person was so great. I like, had I just had a little more therapy or consciousness mm-hmm. prior to the marriage, then we we probably would have ended up being, you know, business partners or colleagues and stayed together forever in in that capacity. But because because I drove, I, re- I was really driving the marriage thing hard. It kind of derailed our truth, maybe. So that's a big secret behind this record is is being okay with that, you know, being on the other side of a divorce and starting over. Like, what am I doing now? And it's there's a lot of freedom in it because I'm not seeking relationship for the first time in my life. I'm not seeking someone oh. else to validate me or to. I'm not seeking a partner to show the world that I'm lovable or that I can be love in my personal life. It was scary at first. Oh, um, can't imagine. Ooh. But I feel really fulfilled and I really, I still feel whole and complete, which I, I love. So getting started, that's the real answer to that song is I'm starting over in a way, but, or maybe I'm not starting over. Maybe I'm just starting for the first time. You know, maybe I'm not redoing anything. I'm taking off. And in that, I get to discover so many things about myself that have always been hidden from my view. You know, I grew up in a community that wasn't very open to the LGBTQ community. And so therefore, I hid any type of attraction. I hid any type of bi-curiousness. I just hid all that, suppressed it, you know, and that wouldn't be revealed until much later in my life. And that's part of getting started. And it's like, where am I going next? Who am I? You know, what, what capacity do I really have to love? I mean, so if I look at my career, that's all love-based. A lot of it is really trying to find answers for myself. You know, it's like, who am I in love? And some of it might be overcompensating for love that's still lacking in my life. But some of it is just trying to hopefully fill in the blanks, but I'm, I'm okay with it where it's at now. And I'm just getting started. So I feel brand new. We're so, so, so blessed that you shared everything you've shared in this last hour. Um, but that feels incredibly sacred and important. And I feel like one thing I've learned from my own seeking, my own therapy, my own meditation practice is that the only thing that there's no room for is shame. That's the only thing, because if we're all really integrated and honest, my mindfulness teacher says you should have tea with yourself every morning and invite Mm -hmm. all the pieces of you, the parts Mm. that are brave and the parts that self-sabotage and the parts that are beautiful and the parts that are such liars. They just lie. They just want to please. And then what happens is you feel integrated all of a sudden. And then what happens is your home inside your skin. And then what happens is everyone wants to be around you because no one has to be exhausted anymore by pretending because they have shame that keeps them from just owning that we are all, all of these things. We are all these things. And really we're the great witness of all those things. All those things are just the parts of us that had to survive and the parts of us that are doing well and the parts of us that thought that was the only way to do well. And we all have those pieces. And so by you saying that out loud, you're just freeing every soul that just never knew they could come sit beside themselves and just be a witness, like a loving witness. Mm -hmm. Like we're all in this thing. Nobody isn't. 
That's all a lie. So I'm so impressed and I'm happy for you and I'm excited for all of us because you are a great teacher and you take us all on the ride. And there's so many people who need to hear that no matter what it is that they've been up against, because we're all having the same battle, which is different Mm -hmm. ways that it shows itself. And so Mm -hmm. thank you so much for sharing that and for Mm -hmm. having the courage to like, finally catch up with yourself and go, Oh, here's the real deal. All right. All right. And that must've been so hard on your nervous system to actually Mm. sit down and take a look because boy, do we want to run away from all the ways that we have been running. So that's really amazing. That's probably the most impressive thing you've ever done like that. Wow. Thanks. might, Might be your greatest hit so far. Yeah, maybe. Well, it definitely feels like it's setting me up for a new kind of success that I haven't experienced yet, which is exciting. <laughs> yeah. It kind of goes back to the song again. That's what getting started kind of feels like. And the album ends with kind of the same answer. The album ends with a song called If You Think You've Seen It All. And it's a little bit about quitting. And I always have that. That comes up for me almost annually. I can expect to have my big I quit kind of emotional week. I had a big one in 2011 and I wrote, I won't give up from that. And that really was my anthem of like, you're not quitting. In fact, there's a lot of beauty yet to be experienced. And so if you think you've seen it all is another version of that. It's feeling that shame and all of those potential failures and wanting to run and hide and just give it all up and then this song appears that says, like, if you think you've seen it all, stick around, stick around. You know, there's a lot we've lost, but so much more that's to be found and so on. I'll let the lyrics do the rest of the talking. But and then it ends with stick around because we're just getting started. And that's the mystical, magical, rhythmical, radical ride. It's going to take us on wild rides and we're going to think this is it and can't go on. And then the ride's going to say, Hey, why don't you stay in your seat? Cause it's, we're going to go for another lap and you're going to see things differently. The next time we go around, I call it full spiral. We don't go full circle. We're going to go around again, but you're going to have a different perspective. The second time you go for the next lap, it's like watching a movie twice. And so that too is kind of what the album and the infinity thing is about. It's like, hang on. We're not finished yet. All of that craziness you've just been through is for a good reason. And I'm excited to find out what that is. Oh my God. We need the church, the synagogue, the mosque of Jason Mraz. This is like such beautiful, good wisdom. It's interesting because early on I was like, what's your philosophy? And you're like, I don't know. But, and then like, <laughs> it's like, here it is. Like, oh. I mean, this is just so good. And I'm so grateful that you raise your hand to do this work and that you lead this way and that you so unrelentingly keep seeking what's really true and that you share it with the world and that you happen to just have this beautiful voice and a sweet face and a talent to go with it. It's really such a gift. It's such a gift. And there's very, 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 very few people like you. And um, we need you so much. Tell us when, I think the record comes out June 23rd. Is that right? June 23rd. That'll be my 46th birthday. So exciting. Very we are, cool. We are a few days apart. I'm the 19th of June. We're two years oh. 
two years. Happy birthday to us both. Yeah, Gemini. Well, you're not a Gemini. You're a Cancer. No, I made it to the Cancer side. (laughs) You're not as crazy as me. (laughs) So can we pre-order? Can we pre-save? Oh, yes. Yeah, I don't know. However music is ingested, it's there. I'm a big fan of vinyl and CD. Those are pre-order, pre-save. You can get all those on my website, jasonmaraz.com. But if you listen to digital music, we already have a bunch of tracks out that have, you know, been coming out just to preview the record and gives you a little taste of what the rest of it's like. We released mostly the up-tempo songs. So when the album comes out, you're going to start to feel more of the, you know, slower emotional songs and a little more of the cosmic stuff, which is exciting. That's yet to be discovered. So it comes out June 23rd. Songs by Jason Mraz and Raining Jane. We're thrilled, honored that we get to do this and we'll be on tour all summer long from mid-July through mid-August. I shouldn't say all summer long, but we'll be making a lap around the the U.S. So check us out if you want to come to a concert or not. We might do a live stream or something in the fall. You can tune in virtually. Yeah, not or not. You guys should get yourself there because I feel like you being with you is a little bit like time travel and you just wind up (laughs) in a different place when you leave the concert. So you guys have to go. I'm so sensitive to concerts. Like I go to concerts and I'm, and I go through the experience of parking and parking is hard Yeah, and (laughs) standing in line and having your bag checked and paying a lot for a beverage or whatever (laughs) and sitting next to loud people. Like it's a thing. So come if you Uh, want to, if you can, but I get really sensitive to that. So I want the show to be extra great. And um, it already is. So everyone feels great about parking. Okay, fair. Jason, I'm going to put all the links. Obviously, we're going to make sure that everybody knows. I'm sure everybody has laughed and cried. And I think they may have, may have just opened their heart. So wow, thank you so much. I'm thank so glad you. that I get to hang with you. What a lucky, lucky thing. How lucky yeah, I feel the same. You are a guru. You are a dispeller of darkness for so many. <laughs> thank you for doing this. You have such a gift in the way you listen and give back. I love it. I needed this today. I love you. I don't even know what to say. I I think people who touch you like are like little handprints on your heart. You know, you take them with you. So I think you've done that for me. I think you do that for so many people because your vulnerability is so, it's so loud. It's so there. It's just like, it opens us all up. And so that means so much to me, but uh, yeah, stay in touch. I'm just always here for you. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming on today. Love it. Oh my gosh. Talking to him is always the best. Here are the takeaways. Number one, there's a reason that we're given our gifts. It's to level out that energy that someone else is suffering from to counteract all the muck in the world. Number two, your gift is its own reward. Give yourself time with your gift. You'll get it to a place that you love. It's none of your business what the rest of the world thinks of it. Number three, take perfection out. Don't expect straight A's. C is a passing grade. C is good enough because you're going to get the next level. Number four, the most radical thing a person can do is actually open their heart. Number five, you don't know the future, but just lean into it with your heart. The more you practice, the more you can really show the world that you've got what it takes. Number six, you're not going to quit because there's so much beauty left to be experienced. Even when there's a lot we've lost, there's so much more that's to be found. Number seven, we're not finished yet. We're not final and we never will be in this life and beyond. 
stick around because we're just getting started. We're taking off. And number eight, the mystical, magical, rhythmical ride will take us on wild rides. When you think this is it, stay in your seat because you're going for another trip and you'll see things differently the next time around. You're going full spiral and all of that craziness you've just been through is for a good reason. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. I know that you have so much going on. It means so much to me that you come here, that you listen to this show. I hope that this has served you. I hope it touches your heart. We have so many good episodes coming up. So please make sure that you follow us on Spotify or you're on Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. And if you love the show, take a second and leave us a review and share it with someone. If you know somebody who would benefit from hearing this conversation, share the link. You can email them the link. You can text them the link, or you can post about this on your Instagram and tag Jason, and you can tag me as well. Also, if you want to check out my membership, it's only $10 a month. You can cancel at any time. You will get four unique meditations from me a month, plus some perks just for our members. You can check that out at kathyallercom slash membership. I love you so much. I'll leave you with a song. Have an amazing weekend. I can't do I feel like I'm brand new